Drops it low to Torres. Faku wide to Kyle Smith. Smith gets around Rowe. Smith with a lift. Well, folks, they have done it again. Orlando City with their third straight win from a goal 89 minutes or later. And somehow, they have rattled off four straight wins heading into the biggest game of their entire season. Welcome into the Orlando Soccer Show, everyone. My name is Austin David. Gavin Eubank is here with me this week. Gavin, how do you put this in into words of, of how this team has gone the last couple weeks? Yeah, no, uh, the Cardiac Cats are back. Mm-hmm. Um, the We Love Stoppage Time shirts are back out. I'm mm-hmm. sure everyone in Orlando is wearing them right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is, uh, it's, what a, I don't, what a summer. <laughs> what a summer this has been for Orlando City. When you think about how many times the narrative of this team has flip-flopped back and forth. Every other week, it's something different. It's Orlando City stinks. We're bad. We can't score. And then suddenly, oh, the Open Cup final. They were they played the best game we've ever seen this team play in the history of the universe. And Orlando City's back. And this is it. Watch out, league. And then, oh, they suck again. And then they rattle off three win- three losses in a row. And then here we go. The longest winning streak of the year. One of the longest winning streaks in MLS this year. I think only three or four other clubs, four or five other clubs, have had winning streaks of four games or more. If Orlando pulled off another, that would be the second best streak in the league this year. Austin, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I don't know. I think this the narrative of this team has changed so much that it hasn't changed, and I'll, I'll explain why. Beginning of the season, middle of the season, we said on this show, this team doesn't make sense. And guess what? This team still does not make mm-hmm. sense. I don't know how to even think about this team, honestly. Right, no, but that hasn't changed. The fact that that, Mm -hmm. from the beginning of the season to now, that narrative of we don't know what to think hasn't changed because this team doesn't doesn't play like a normal team should. You can't predict any of the results. I mean, heck, go back to June. They lost to Dallas. They lost to Cincinnati. They lost to D.C., they lost to D.C. twice. Yeah, <laughs> and they, they gave up five goals to a team in D.C. that up until last night hadn't scored in like 400 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like this, th- th- I, don't understand yeah, it. Then they, you, and then they beat the Red Bulls 5-1 in the um, at semifinal. Like, what is this? They pull off, you know, almost winning in Philly. They pull off a tie. In Atlanta, a draw in Colorado, I mean, a draw in New England, and now New England hasn't been great this year, but that's not been a place that Orlando City goes and plays well, and they got a point out of it. But yeah, I was going to say, if you look back to right there at the end of May, up through pretty much through uh, through July, you know, how bad this team was and how inconsistent you couldn't rely on them to score for anything, they had that stretch from... Uh, May 28th all the way through the end uh, I'm sorry the first week of August where it was let's see uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games two wins in 11 games 
and here they are. They've rattled off four. I bet if you asked anybody in the stadium out of 28 teams where Orlando City ranked this year, they are the ninth best team, and I guarantee you it's probably 50-50 whether anybody knows that. Whether anyone knows this is a top 10 team in Major League Soccer. And the crazy thing is there's probably a, a combined six minutes that could determine nine points versus mm-hmm. three. Think about this. Tesho Akindele scores in the 89th minute in Charlotte. And then you get uh, a couple minutes of stoppage time, right? So it's five minutes. Then Tesho scores with the last kick of the game against NYCFC. So there's no extra time after that point. And then Kyle Smith gets the credit for a deflected goal that he scores in the 91st. And there's three minutes after that. So there's nine total minutes that decided nine points versus three points. Because if those games, if those goals hadn't gone in, that's three straight draws. And it's crazy to think about how nine minutes could determine where they have 42 points or what's what's 42 minus seven? <laughs> 35. So they'd be tied with New England for ninth right now if that was the case. Yeah, so they they might not even be in the playoffs if, depending on what the goal differential looks like. Right. Um, and yeah, they've actually like improved their goal differential because they were they were pretty low at one point, but now that they've rattled off three wins where they've actually yeah. gained four wins where they've gained goal differential, they're actually on minus five now, which is yeah, so still if, if Orlando hadn't done those, they'd be in ninth place right now. Yeah. Um, below New England and Cincinnati. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy to think about. Now, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that Sacramento Republic game in a uh, one-off show next week, heading into the game. But that Seattle game, Gavin, did you get a chance to kind of watch some of the highlights or watch the game at all? I didn't watch the game. I've seen some of the highlights. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what a – momentum boost to you mentioned that that sacramento game what a momentum boost going into that now they've got a week off they don't play uh who was it were they supposed to play miami this weekend yeah so they were supposed to play miami on sunday um or saturday i think Mm -hmm. and now they don't have that and they get to rest and they get all this momentum four games in a row you know there was that point there kind of right before this winning streak kicked off when especially too when some of these injuries were starting to tick up you had uh Mauricio Pereira looked like he could be out Robin Yatson's been out and it was like oh you know these they start losing these pieces and they start playing poorly this could spell a little bit of doom heading into that but I don't think if you're Orlando City this win couldn't have put you in any better of a spot now heading into that yeah and, and it's not even just that you're missing Pato who's a key part of right, the... Right, yeah, and you've lost pretty much, yeah, one of your key offensive players right there. Yep, and Robin's been out. There's still no word on how close he is to even coming to back to the team. They've had Urchon Kara out up until a couple games ago, so they, they were relying on Benji at striker, which was arguably working, but... Kara's he scored two goals in his last three games now, including a very good penalty last night against Stefan Fry, who ended up 
saving Mauricio Pereira's, who's just he just should not be taking penalties. To be completely honest, he's just not. Every time he's taken a penalty, it seems like it's just right at the goalkeeper's waist and in perfect line to save it. So that's not the most ideal uh, goal uh, penalty kick taker because he's not a goal scorer in general. You want to know what's funny too about the fact that Orlando being able to continue on without these uh, guys like Pato, eight goals in their last four games. The past eight games before this, they scored eight goals before this four-game winning streak. Mm -hmm. Literally playing their best offensive soccer. I mean, if you're willing to call it that. It, listen, since losing since losing Pato in that Red Bulls win, Gavin, when was the last time that Orlando City scored three goals in a game? It was that three to two law, three to five to three loss. I'm sorry. Yes, against, against uh, DC. DC. Do you yeah. do you remember when the last time Orlando City scored three goals before that was? They haven't. Exactly. It was a trick question. They that was this is only <laughs> the second time they scored three goals in a game, and it comes and in it, a a massive win against a team that they've never beaten before up until this this past night. And I do want to point out too. So on Twitter this weekend, I shared this in the group chat with you guys on MLS extra time. They specifically talked about, and listen, I, I like Charlie Davies. I, I like listening to him, but he went on this whole thing about why he doesn't think Orlando's going to make the playoffs because he's worried about, their inconsistency at striker and the team's inability to score goals, which first of all is not new. It has been like their biggest issue all year. And since he's made those comments, they've rattled off. I think that was on Monday's show. So since then, Orlando has won another game. They just scored their highest goal total of the season. They've won four in a row and they're, soundly for the moment in the playoffs um not really concerned about that at the moment charlie so sorry (laughs) yeah um okay gavin speaking of just kind of stats quote unquote do you want to hear some fun stats from last night i love fun stats numbers are are my uh my thing numbers numbers are your thing huh yeah better than names okay so um this four-game winning streak is the longest since 2018. Since the uh, the one that imploded? The March to May of 2018. March 31st to May 6th of 2018. So, Love it. yes. Uh, that was the six-game winning streak. Uh, not only that, the last time that Orlando City won after trailing at halftime at home, it was back in May of 2018. Wait, are you sure that that's the longest streak thing? Because I could have swore they went on like a five or six game streak last year or the year before. It might have been an undefeated streak, not four wins. Okay, okay. Yeah. Big difference. Because they may have gotten a couple draws and got, gotten a couple wins in the process of it. But in terms of like four straight wins, it's the first time since 18. And then the first time since May of 2018 against... Uh, Real Salt Lake is the last okay, time they yeah. won after trailing at halftime at home. And that's 18 games without a win after trailing at halftime. Okay. There was that time in 2020, uh, they went undefeated in 13 straight games. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. That would do it. 
that would do it. Um, not only that, Facundo Torres wanted to t- spend some time on on talking about him because he came in at halftime for Nico Joachini, who didn't look bad. I'll, I'll be honest. He, he had a few bad touches and a few bad passes, but he drew the penalty that Mauricio Pereira missed, and he was active. He was getting in pockets of space that nobody was really getting into. He was taking on defenders. I thought he looked solid. Uh, Ivan Angulo as well. I thought his his pace down the wing added a, a different dynamic. He was tricky with the ball. He was creative and definitely a step up from Jake Mulraney, I would say. Well, Jake Mulraney's on the first step, so as long as Angulo's on the second step, then he's already a step up on him. <laughs> it's very, very fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Angulo is probably your, your de facto starter going forward just based on his upside maybe you throw Joe Akini out there as well but I think they're they, they both bring different aspects that currently Jake Mulraney just doesn't anyways Facundo Torres uh came out at halftime changed the game for Orlando in in so many different ways not only did he score that goal in the 53rd minute which was just a a beautiful little touch turn and finish and a fantastic strike uh but he had the assist to Kyle Smith, technically. And so that means he has four goals and five assists in his last 12 games. And just over his last four games, he has, um, I think it's two goals and three assists. Because he, he assisted the Junior Urso goal against NYCFC. He... Um, I think he assisted the Urchon Kara goal as a secondary assist. Oh no, no, it was the, it was the first assist. Urso had the secondary assist, so yeah, he had the assist to Kara in the in the Charlotte game. He scored against the Red Bulls, and then last night he has a goal and an assist. Mm-hmm. So in that four game winning streak, Facundo Torres has been the offensive catalyst for this team yeah i mean we talked about it a couple weeks ago you can see that confidence in him growing that comfort that comfort level starting to rise and and he is starting to show what orlando paid for and this is the guy and you can only assume that going into this offseason if they put more pieces around him that really complement him that really unlock that potential that orlando saw in him when they spent seven eight million dollars to sign him is it only excites you as to what the future that this kid has holds because he's he's shown a lot right now and we're probably not even scratching the surface yet yep and on this year he has uh six goals and nine assists so six and nine (laughs) Nice. nice what did we say what did we say before the season what did we predict what a good year for him because i mean i he's having a good year he is having a good year what did we i'm trying to think of like what we thought he might do um i don't think the nine assists i don't think i saw that coming no but probably if anything i would have seen it flipped where he would have been scoring a little bit more um, okay well here but, here's here's what we said um i'm going back to the orlando soccer journal's preview for the staff predictions of the season i yeah. said that they'd finish over 50 points which is close. still possible because if they win 
They got six games if left. If they win three of their next six games, they'll finish over 50. I yeah. said that they'd finish in fourth, which is very possible. Oh, no, I said they'll finish in sixth. I said they'll finish in sixth. You said they'll finish in fourth. You predicted which they'd right finish now, 55 points. Which right now they are fifth place on 42. Yep. So, you know, it's close. possible, yeah. I think I think fourth or sixth is very possible. Uh, we mm-hmm. both said the top goal scorer would be Urchankara, which accurate so far. And the breakout star would be Facundo Torres. I I want to say that, I mean, it's easy to say it now, but 15 as a combined points number in goals and assists would seem like a reasonable benchmark to have set for him. So to yeah. have hit that. We'll have to go back in the, in the show because I, I can almost guarantee you we had it in one of the shows where I asked the question. Yeah. Um, Mike Ramajo, he picked the breakout star to be Cesar Araujo, which is also Ooh. a very decent shout. Yeah, especially having not really known what he was going to be. Having not having not known that he would displace Sebas Mendes so quickly. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's impressive, too. And this was all written in February, by the way. Mm-hmm. Nothing's been edited since. So props to yeah. us for now for, for getting all that right. Right. You know, what does help Orlando in that hunt to finish fourth is that they do still play New York City. I think it's their second or last game of the year. So they're three points back of them right now. Mm-hmm. And that would be where they can close that gap. Now, playing at Yankee Stadium is a 50-50 in terms of whether or not but it's going to be a Gavin, good game or Gavin, a miserable. They're not going to be playing at Yankee Stadium. Oh, did I miss that? They're playing at Red Bull. <laughs> okay, well then Orlando's got a shot. <laughs> I mean, listen, neutral strike game. Do you, did you Orlando's see who coming off a win there? Did you see who New York lost to last night? Uh, it was DC United. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. After just losing to Orlando, they're in a little bit of a funk right now. Uh huh. Yeah, not uh, not too good for them. Let me see what they've got. Uh, they've got the two losses in a row. They have no. They they don't have two. What? No, they they okay. they lost to Atlanta just, and then they okay, beat yeah. DC, but they lost to Philly six nothing. After having lost to them seven nothing back in July. Maybe the form guide that I'm looking at is just off right now. <laughs> Are you talking about DC? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm talking about NYC. I'm oh, like, you, I don't see a six nothing loss on there for New York City. Yeah, yeah. No. They're, that New England, that DC game's not showing up on their uh, form guide. I guess for whatever reason. Maybe yeah, yeah. Because they they, they lost to Orlando. They lost to DC. They beat New York, but then they lost to before that. They lost to Sh- uh, Charlotte, Inter Miami, Columbus, and drew with Montreal. So all of August, I think they had one win. Out of yeah, they have one win since five uh, games, six games, one yeah. win in six. They won four in a row, and they've definitely fallen off a, a pretty big cliff these last last uh, five or six weeks. So that's not, and and uh, just to put it in perspective, uh, Tati Castellanos, the last game that he played for NYCFC was all the way back in July twenty third, when they won yeah, two nothing against win. Miami. Yeah. Now. Yeah, those are some bad losses on there. After that, after he left, they just dropped off. Yeah, I mean, to lose at home against Charlotte, 
at Miami, at Columbus. Like, these are all teams. They drew Montreal, which is a fine result because Montreal is surprisingly good. Mm. But everywhere else on the schedule, they're dropping games left and right to teams that, quite frankly, they should not be. Orlando's a toss-up because they're pretty close in the standings, and those two teams always play really good games. But Yeah, but, I mean, NYCFC, that, their, uh, <laughs> their manager is uh, Nick Cushing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not all that great. Well, he has also only been on the job for a couple months, right? When did he come in? Because uh, I don't, I'm blanking on their last guy's name, but he just left midseason. Oh, yeah. Um, why am I thinking? Ronnie Dahlia. Yeah, he left in yeah. June to go become the manager elsewhere. And yeah. uh, they had to bring in Nick Cushing from the Manchester United women's team. Or Manchester City women's team, shall I say. Yeah, so right there where he left is where they dropped off. They didn't win for four games. They went on that four-game winning streak, and then ever since then. Even that four-game winning streak, a 4-2 win over New England, and then one nothing, one nothing, 2 nothing. Like, their offense is shut down. Yeah, well, I mean, when you lose your manager and your best goal scorer, that'll happen. Right, yeah. Tough so. times. Tough times for New York City FC. But, hey, we're not here to talk about hey, them. We're talking yeah, about Orlando hey. City. Um, <laughs> any other thoughts before we move on from the Seattle game? Because, like I said, we'll talk about the Sacramento game in a separate show next week. No, I mean, I think it's just – I don't know. I, I don't know where the uh, where the where 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 things lie with this team at the moment. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you go into a game like last night too and it's a Seattle team that hasn't been good this year. The, the numbers just are, you know, the performances have been far off of where you expect from them. They're below the playoff line, but Orlando is at home, and they tend to fumble those pretty winnable games, and they didn't. And props, you know, props to them. Hats off. They've they've managed to get some results that they've really needed, and I think right now, if you're Orlando City, you can turn all of your focus. You've got the next week. You got all your focus on this uh, open cup game. And if they win that open cup game, honestly, sky's the limit from where they can go for the rest of the year. You think about the momentum that 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 would carry. Mm-hmm. It can do uh, it can do a lot for this group. Yeah, I actually asked Kyle Smith last night about the momentum, and he was saying how important it is to to get this result and the last couple results to head into this this important week. And I actually asked him because uh, Sacramento. Before they play Orlando in the U.S. Open Cup final, they play at Louisville City, his former team. So I asked him, like, hey, you, you think about calling some of your friends over there and just uh, tell them, hey, tire them out a little bit? And he's like, well, I didn't know that they were playing there, but I'm 100% calling them now. So maybe yeah, maybe, they, uh, maybe they'll do something the, good for that. Yeah, the uh, USL put them in a bind. MLS put and pushed that game for them, but USL did not. So they still have to play this weekend. Yep. And then fly all the way across the country to Orlando. Well, I mean, they're probably going to fly straight well, from I was going to say I would Seattle or not Seattle. The, from, that would be the smart thing to do. Yeah, they're going to fly from Louisville to Orlando and just train down here for a couple of days. Okay. That would make sense because why would you go back from Louisville to Sacramento, right. then Sacramento all the way to Orlando? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, as we move on here, uh, shout out Kyle Foley for not watching the game last night because for some reason, every time he doesn't watch a game, Orlando wins. Yeah. Go figure. 
And he's going <laughs> he's to the game next Wednesday, so... <laughs> if things start to go south, Brad and I will take things into our own hands. Just just take him out of the stadium. Not, not and you know, I'm not implying anything. I'm not threatening anything. I'm just saying the I mean, two of us together can probably can probably take out Kyle if we have to. Take him out of the stadium, you mean? That, I'm not... I'm just going to leave it open-ended there. You okay. can't hold it against me if I don't specify. Okay. Well, it's not <laughs> ideal. Anyways, just a shout out <laughs> shout out Kyle, I guess. <laughs> Lordy. All right. Uh, very quickly on the Orlando Pride because they didn't play this weekend. Uh, they did lose to OL Reign in heartbreaking fashion uh, on the same weekend that Orlando City got a stoppage time winner. Orlando Pride dropped a stoppage time loss to Megan Rapino, who scored in the 92nd minute. It was a game that Orlando probably didn't deserve a result in, if I'm being completely honest. They were outplayed by uh, OL in, in a lot of facets of the game. They just they had so many bad turnovers. It, actually, it wasn't really that they were overplayed. It's that they, they, they did it to themselves. They had a lot of unforced turnovers. They had a lot of plays where they just didn't look comfortable on the ball Seb Hines said they were playing scared and it was just it wasn't a good game for the pride and in a game that they probably needed to win mm-hmm. and I, I I don't want to say that like that's the end of their playoff run because they're still in eighth they're only yeah. you know five points behind Chicago who's in sixth but they need to basically win four of their next five. And yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the next game's against need... Portland, who they lost to 6 nothing back in June. The Pride would need a lot to go right ahead of them. And the problem with that is that there are just a lot of good teams ahead of them right now to be able to bank on that, even if they were to win out the rest of their games. What do they have left? Uh, six games? Five games left? What's it? Uh, the Pride, uh, yes, they have five games left. Okay, yeah. So, it's tough. Mm-hmm. But, they're, I mean, I mean especially listen. With the, they're, they're, especially they're, with that goal differential, you're not going to win any tiebreakers on that. Correct. So now, the Pride will be playing two teams that are below them in Louisville and North Carolina. Uh, but then they play Portland, San Diego, and at OL Reign, three teams that are above them. Now, North Carolina... Uh, and racing North Carolina is not too far behind them, in fact, because they're actually two games uh, behind Orlando, and they're at 16 points. So if they win two games, they're ahead of Orlando in the standings. However, <laughs> uh, Portland, they're always good. They're in fourth, not as good as they usually are, but they're still pretty good. San Diego is the top team in the league. And they're coming to Orlando, where for some reason the Pride haven't been good at home. And then the Pride have to go to OL Reign uh, on the last day of the season. So, you know, it's uh, it's a tough ask, but anything is possible. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, mathematically, it's not over. It's no. definitely not over. Now, again, that, that loss to OL Reign was the first time they've lost since... That six nothing loss to Portland. That was back on June nineteenth. So they went all of July and almost all of August before losing a game. So credit to to what they did, but it's reset now. 
now they have five games left, and uh, we'll see how they finish out. All right, uh, Orlando City B. They played on Monday, and uh, they were playing FC Cincinnati too in a essentially must-win game because if they lost, they probably would be out of the playoff contention, which they're not 100% yet because they ended up getting a 2-2 draw. Fabio and Loyola scored both goals for OCB after signing for them officially from the academy. He is a player to watch. I have heard a lot of people talking about how much of an upside he's got, how impressive he's been, how he's a uh, a talent that could be the next homegrown player. Definitely a kid to watch for the future. But he scores both goals for OCB without Jack Lynn. He's out hurt. And he steps up and, and scores. It sends to penalties. And, well, unfortunately for OCB... Everybody scored their penalties up until Andrew Forth stepped up and he took his shot way too high into the left. Uh, it was actually such a bad penalty that the MLS Next Pro website on the uh, feed said that Andrew Forth should be disappointed in himself. <laughs> so that goes to show you just how that penalty was. And then uh, Zico Bailey for... Cincinnati scored the game winner at the end of it, so that was it was the end of it. It was such a bad penalty that Orlando City fans thought Kaká was out there. Hey oh, hey, you know, um, I could think of worse penalty kick takers than Kaká. Uh, Carlos Rivas. No, he actually had a hat trick of penalties in that U.S. Open Cup game that one year. Oh yeah, he actually was a a, a really good penalty kick taker because he just smashed the, the ball in. Charleston? Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that was a dark night. Yep. I mean, they won. They won, but that was also the night that the shooting happened, like, right down the road. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Kind of forgot about that one. Uh, all right. Change the subject. More positive things. <laughs> OCB, with that draw, you know, they, they still got a point. Now sit at 25 points. They are currently tied for eighth, which is Chicago Fire's B team on 25 points. They are currently eight points behind Rochester, who are in fourth. Top four teams in the Eastern Conference make it. It's not impossible, but it's it's they'd have to win every single game, and every other team behind them would have to lose every single game. Mm-hmm. Because there's only three games left in the season. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Let's just say... Good job, good effort. Move on to the next good season. Good job. Yeah, good job, good effort. 2023, here we go. Yeah. They're, so they're playing the New England Revolution 2 at Gillette Stadium on September 2nd. Then they play the Philadelphia Union 2 at Subaru Park on 9-11. And then they end their home season at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on September 18th at home at Osceola Heritage Park. Yeah, if you go on the uh, Next Pro website, it's actually the game of the week is New England, Orlando. Interesting. They've got a count. They've got a game of the week countdown. One one day, four hours and thirty three minutes until kickoff. Mm. It is the only game on that day. To be fair. <laughs> well, so. I mean, that just means that they'll actually have a production team out there instead of just a remote camera, which is nice. 
There, there, there you go. All right. Well, that's all of that for the pro teams in town. I will mention one other pro team, the Central Florida Crusaders. They, I talked about it last week. They made their first signing on the women's side, Yvonne George, who now goes by Yvonne Hayes, former UCF player. I will tease you one that is coming up by the time this show comes out, probably. It's a former Pride player. I'll leave it at that. How former? How former? Uh, within the last two years. The last two years. Okay, that narrows down to nobody that I know. <laughs> I was going to say, like, <laughs> do you do you know the Pride roster that well, Kevin? Uh, <laughs> Ali Krieger is a former Pride player. She is, but she's she's not. <laughs> that's no. It's not, not her. Okay. Uh, all right. So that's the Central Florida Crusaders. While I'm on that UCF area, let's talk about UCF soccer because college soccer is underway. So uh, we'll start with the men's, then we'll go with the women's, and then we'll talk about Rollins college soccer. First off, the men's side lost their first game of the season against the number 15 team in the nation, Wake Forest, one nothing. Then they came back home for their first game of the home schedule, which they only have five home games this season, uh, for whatever reason. They played North Florida, were down one nothing at one point, then scored two unanswered, including a really, really dumb goal by Mauricio Villalobos to win the game two to one. And I talked to Coach Scott Calabrese after the game, and he was kind of thankful that they pulled that one out because he they didn't play all that great. They now go to Florida Gulf Coast University down in Fort Myers to play them on Friday, and then they're back home against UC Riverside that Monday, Monday, September 5th. So that is the schedule for UCF men's soccer. On the women's side, uh, they've actually had some pretty decent results so far. They're 2-0-2. They got a big win against Florida to open their season. They drew 1-1 at LSU. Then they had a scoreless draw out in Orem, Utah against Utah Valley. And then they played Florida Gulf Coast on Sunday where they won 3-1. Their next opponent is up in Jacksonville against North Florida. Funny enough, By the time this show comes out, the result will be in because they're playing Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Go Knights. Uh, Gavin, I guess... Go Offsprays. Yeah, I was going to say, in your case, (laughs) you're you're rooting for the Ospreys. It's just you and (laughs) us. All right, on to Rollins Soccer. They are 1-0-1 on the men's side so far. They beat Wingate 1-0 out in Melbourne, and they drew 2-2 against Embry-Riddle University, where they came back from a 2-0 deficit. They now play in Pensacola against the University of West Florida on Friday for their third game of the season. On the women's side, uh, they have had a fairly decent start to their season as well, 2-0-1. They drew University of Findlay, beat Ashland University, who was receiving votes in the top 25, and they beat Clayton State University out in Georgia 3-1 to this past Tuesday. They now head to uh, Daytona to play the University of West Georgia in a neutral site game 
on Friday (laughs) at 4.30. Then they go to uh, host Columbus State University. Where in Daytona are they playing? You know, that's a great question. I don't know. Maybe Daytona State? I guess. That's just a weird place to, like, have a a neutral site. Yeah, I don't don't know why they're doing that, honestly. Huh. All right, well... Anyways, that game's in another day in a couple hours, so. A lot of soccer this weekend. For sure. Yeah, I was trying to look up and see what the college soccer looks like up here. Apparently, so there's the University of Richmond, mm-hmm. which I guess only has a women's team. Um, but then there's obviously VCU, which does have men's and women's. Hmm. All right, well, Gavin, are you ready to uh, kind of wrap up the show here a little bit? Oh, yeah, man. I had I had a great weird news, and I sadly have no idea where where I remembered seeing it. That's unfortunate. Give me, yeah, go ahead and give me a second, and I will All figure right. this out. I've got a great weird news. Cristiano Ronaldo's statue's penis is being worn what? out because of so many tourists trying to grab it and pull on it. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys, uh, I don't know if you remember the Cristiano Ronaldo statue. Um, that is uh, currently in Portugal. Um, but basically, there's a ton of tourists that are just grabbing it and rubbing against it, taking pictures with it, to the point where it's actually, you can tell that it's been completely like rubbed on more so than any other part of the statue because it's a different color now than every other part. Uh, it's also very prominent on the statue. It's it's not like they're trying to hide the bulge on the statue. It's actually like the the shorts kind of like pushed into the center of his genital area. So mm-hmm. like there are it's almost like inviting people to just go like, "Hey, touch this thing." So that's uh unfortunate. Um but yeah, that's kind of soccer related news. Uh I also have a second weird news story uh a winnipeg mayoral candidate has his bike stolen 85 minutes after promising to reduce bike theft (laughs) which is just you know ironic that one hits home as the recent uh uh, recent victim of bike theft that one hits home Mm -hmm. um i've got mine i found it um austin you've never had siblings so i don't know if you um, can relate to this scenario, but were you ever in the car acting up somewhere and your parents would like threaten to turn around and go home? Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. So um, similar thing happened here, um, except it was on a Southwest flight. Hmm. The pat, the pilot threatened to turn the plane around and go home. If passengers didn't stop airdropping nudes to each other. <laughs> so too many nudes being airdropped around. Um, this is, uh, captured in a TikTok that went viral. Um, let's see. Um, oh, this was a Southwest. It was going to Cabo San Lucas down in Mexico. Um, and everyone, so the pilot goes, so here's the deal. If this continues while we're on the ground, I'm going to have to pull back to the gate. Everyone's going to have to get off and we're going to have to get security involved and your vacation's going to be ruined. <laughs> Whatever that airdrop thing is, quit sending naked pictures. Let's get yourself to Cabo. He continued. So that's fun. Wild. Couldn't just keep it. Yeah. Couldn't just wait until they, they got in Mexico. 
Jesus. I think it's... I think they were cyber-flashing. I think that's what it was. It wasn't people doing it that knew each other. It was someone who kept doing it. Sending unsolicited pics. Just airdropping it to people. I know you don't have an iPhone, but like you can do this thing. Yes, I, I know what airdrop just, is. Yeah, I, have okay. a, I have a Mac. I can airdrop <laughs> to my Mac. Okay, that's right. That's right. So for those at, at home that don't know, you can just find someone's like phone on the network or whatever, like their Wi-Fi or something, and basically just send them something. And it'll just drop and it'll say, Gavin wants to send you this picture. And you don't. I don't have to have your phone number. I don't have to know who you are. I can just... You know, someone could just pick my name out of a lineup that's around them and send that to me. So in this instance, um, it appears that someone was sending pics to someone and it was uh, getting out of control on the plane. Just just keep it in your pants, especially on an airplane. Keep it on your phone, man. Yeah, honestly. Any red cards or playing advantages for this week, Gavin? I... I'm going to give a yellow card. Okay. Just a warning. Mm. Nothing nothing crazy to um, the new ownership group of a, uh, a soccer team that is going to try to kick off in Jacksonville in a few years. You may have heard about it. Tim Tebow's involved. I'm a little wary about this. Um, I, If I'm being honest with you, I don't think this team plays. I don't think they play by 2025. Hmm. I don't know what their long-term goal is. Now they have a good base set up. They've partnered with uh, Florida Elite Soccer Academy, which is like one of the premier soccer academies in Northeast Florida. Very large. A lot of people, um, a lot of kids belong to that academy. They've, they've had a USL League 2 team for the last several years based up there in North St. Johns County, just below the Duval line. Um, so they've partnered with that. It'll be like a whole pipeline thing. The, the pro team is not a part of that, but they'll be able to use that as like an academy line. Um, they don't have a stadium yet, which is kind of where my concern lies because I, I've got a couple ideas on where they can put this stadium, but the Armada are building a stadium downtown. I mean, you've been to downtown recently. That stadium is going to be just a couple blocks north of the baseball field i mean that is a great location to have it um i don't know how they're going to compete against that if they're not coming in at that time you're going to have to compete against the jacksonville armada which i've reported are going to mls next pro should be announced sometime within the next six to eight months maybe maybe within the next year but that's going to be a tough thing you know these mls versus usl championship battles they don't work out too well for most of these uh, USL teams, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Isn't the owner for this new project like the former Armada owner too? He is the mate. He was the lead investor of the group. He used to be the Armada president ah. um, back then. I, I want to say he was one of the guys, like one of the main forces too, in bringing Tony Miola there. Despite objections from like other people that were smarter than him, were saying that this guy is not going to be a good coach, and sure enough, he was not. Um, among many other things that, you know, the Armada spent a ton of money on players and coaches and then none of it ever worked out. And, you know, the support for the Armada in Jacksonville is very good. They were a very well-supported team. The problem is the team was not run very well Mm. during those NASL days. Um, And now 
one of the main guys from that is leading this group. So that in itself is another reason why, especially a lot of Armada fans are looking at it saying in a skeptical way saying, all right, well, good luck with that. Like we've seen what you guys can do. We're not too hyped about this. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Oh, for sure. I mean, Jacksonville would be a great market for for a USL championship team that I've thought for a long time with the right ownership group, the right situation. Um, But you don't think this is it? I think ideally USL wanted the Armada and USL always wanted the Armada. So this is the next best thing that they can get to put something there. Hmm. They were going to do it one way or another. So just a yellow card, just a warning. We'll see how things go. Keep it cautious. Gotcha. What do you uh, got? I really don't have any like red cards. Um, I'll play advantage to uh, <laughs> Exploria Stadium's drainage system because oh, the Sunday game, I don't know if you saw what happened in that first half, but mm-hmm. it was monsooning, and somehow by the second half start time, there was no more puddles. Mm-hmm. Uh credit to not only the drainage system but also the the staff there for pushing all the water off um tesho said that he's never played in that much rain before in his entire life so i uh want to give credit to them because uh they deserve it yeah i think that's one of those things you know you at exploria stadium is like been overshadowed by all of these bigger newer stadiums that have come into mls in the last five years but it really is almost top to bottom it was very well done and a lot of the things that they did they didn't make it the flashiest stadium you've ever seen but a lot most of the stuff that they did do for exploria they did it pretty well and i think the grounds crew definitely Deserves a lot of credit for the way that that field's maintained. It's gone through a couple different um, head groundskeepers now, um, but the quality has remained the same, and it's probably one of the best kept fields I think you could say in Major League Soccer. I would say so. Plus, they just replaced the entire turf, so mm-hmm. makes it look nice. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, knock this out. Record time. Love to see it. Love to see it. All right. So for Gavin Eubank, I'm Austin David. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We'll be back next week early to talk about the Sacramento U.S. Open Cup game. Big one. Biggest one for Orlando City in their history? Uh, Oh, by far. By far the biggest game in their history. I'm excited to get down there. I'm excited that, I mean, you're going to have a little bit of a muffed um experience up in the press box i know like it but you can you're still going to hear it but i am so excited to be in the wall where it's all coming from and it's going to be probably one of the coolest uh sporting events probably the probably the coolest sporting event that i've ever been to um and let's hope that that night goes on pretty well for at least 90 full minutes so there you go we'll see what happens i also miss four rivers i'm excited for some four rivers down there oh uh, it's it's not as good as it used to be. Uh, that's what they all say. Yeah. It's disappointing. It's, I don't know. I don't know. Figure something out. All right. So, <laughs> let's end it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. You're dirty brown water trash, and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash. <laughs>